0: This episode of Takeaway is brought to you in part by California Food Service Instant Rebates. You could save up to $4,000 per unit on high-efficiency commercial food service equipment. In this time of need, the industry is building new restaurants and creating new concepts, and it needs equipment. You'll be able to choose from a variety of qualifying products and get valuable instant rebates as a discount on your invoice. No paperwork, no waiting. Find a participating dealer in qualifying products at caenergywise.com slash instant rebates. That's caenergywise.com forward slash instant dash rebates. Hey there, welcome to Takeaway with Sam Okus, a podcast from Nation's Restaurant News. I am Sam Okus, Editor-in-Chief here at NRN, and this is the show where I give you an all-access pass to the restaurant industry's most influential decision-makers. This week, I'm talking with two emerging brand leaders, Jay Kim, founder and CEO of 8-Unit Chalantro Barbecue, and Patrick Terry, founder of 23-Unit P. Terry's Burger Burger. burger stand. These two leaders are both out of Austin, Texas, and are both dealing with the typical growing pains of scaling a business, which these days, of course, especially includes labor, inflation, and supply chain. I sat down with both of these leaders individually a few weeks ago in Austin, and they were both very candid about building their businesses with one eye on the challenges of today and those they are anticipating in the future. Before I jump into those conversations, remember that there are many other ways you can engage with NRN's award-winning content. Not only can you subscribe to our monthly print edition and our daily AM newsletter at nrn.com slash subscribe, but you can also subscribe to NRN's other podcast, Extra Serving, where our editors discuss the hot-button issues of the day and we share interviews with a wide variety of restaurant personalities. On this week's episode, I join our editors, Leanne Zinsmeister, Holly Petrie, and Lisa Jennings for a conversation on Panera's new chicken sandwich and the ongoing foibles of third-party delivery companies. Plus, there is a conversation between Lisa and restaurateur Spike Mendelssohn about his NFT collaboration with Tom Colicchio. Be sure to check out that episode and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Jumping now into my interviews with emerging chain leaders, Jay Kim, who is first up here, and then Patrick Terry. Also, don't forget to stick around after the interview as I will share my five takeaways from these discussions, actionable insights that you can take with you on the go. Jay Kim of Cilantro Barbecue, thank you for taking some time today. We're here in Austin, your backyard. You started this brand now 12 years ago, I yeah. believe. Tell me a little bit about, tell the audience about Cilantro, what it's all about. Yeah, Sam, good to see you in person. Likewise, uh, it's been a, a while. while yeah, so, for sure.
1: yeah, thanks for having me today. Uh, just a little bit about my brand. I started a Cilantro in 2010 out of a, out of a food truck uh, with one employee. Uh, and 12 years later we have eight locations and we have plans to open five more next year so uh we're we're in an exciting time getting out of COVID, and we're ready to grow Mm -hmm. uh and uh we serve korean barbecue inspired cuisine uh in the fast casual setting so uh, how I, i like to look at our brand is a introduction To a Korean cuisine Mm -hmm. uh, with a Texas flair.
0: Sure, and I know those uh, kimchi fries. The original kimchi fries are like your staple, right? But try and tell tell us about a little bit more about the menu.
1: Yeah, so how I started the business was through uh, just being on the food truck, and one night. Uh, You know, first, my first day sale, just kind of going back, was $7 and next day it was $14. And I quickly realized that I need to go serve the drunk people. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, Austin being known for its uh, night scene on the 6th Street, I uh, parked my food truck on 6th Street. And literally because I didn't have customers, I had fries left over. Um, So I thought I need to sell fries and put everything on the menu, everything that I had on the food truck and and make this work. Mm-hmm. And kimchi is a very foreign thing for, for people. So I wanted to introduce kimchi in a way that was uh, subliminally like so they can say, oh this is good when they're not seeing it. So I literally put on top of fries, caramelized kimchi, everything that I had on the food truck, including Korean barbecue and our signature magic sauce. And I sold it at a a most expensive price and it worked out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And here you are. Is it
1: your number one one seller? seller? Uh, You know, our brand has evolved to uh, more of a bowl concept. Mm -hmm. Um, So we sell more Korean barbecue bowls than fries today but I would say kimchi fries is a introduction to our kind of our our brand.
0: And what's great about it is the the couple of times I've had kimchi fries are at the truck that was parked outside of South by Southwest. Yeah. and it's so easy to just grab and take with you. It's like like street food, yeah, um, so yeah. to speak. Because the bowl's a little bit. You have to sit down and you can get involved with that way. Right. That's yeah. right. So uh, the drunk people on the street imagine that's a good vehicle to be able to access them is through these kimchi fries.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was, and it's been you know our top seller. And once we got into a, a restaurant, um, you know, it started our brand kind of. Was evolving, and I wanted to introduce our cuisine to where people can come and eat with us two, three times a week. And I just couldn't sell fries all day to to make that work. So I introduced a healthier option. You know, we have brown rice bowl, noodle bowl, or salad bowl, uh, and combination of those. Uh, With Korean barbecue and some, some, you know, uh, and our fresh veggies with our fresh kimchi. Mm. Uh, And it it worked out really well for us. And the bowls are now our number one sellers. Nice.
0: So you we were talking about how, you know, now that we can get past the pandemic and get into growth mode, but of course, everybody thought we'd get out of the pandemic and then boom town, it'd be roaring 20s, everybody was saying, but nobody predicted a labor crisis, yeah. supply chain issues, inflation, we're having all of those, were stacked against you kind of one by one here coming out of the pandemic. Right. So you and I just got done with a panel talking about yeah. specifically labor and hiring and retention. Tell me about the status of that for cilantro I mean, how are you able to find employees in the midst? To all this yeah I mean you had
1: great questions and one of the questions that you had for in in, in the panel was how tough has the labor crisis been in, in our company what's the scope of the problem um, so you know I, I you know we brought some, some numbers with me to just kind of share um, our you know labor savings was two percent you know, while during the the shortage of labor, uh, where we were saving about $35,000 per store per year, considering that our AUV is, you know, anywhere from 1.5 to Mm 1.8. Right. So, um, you know, there were savings, um, and our overtime hours early 2021 was, you know, nine hours. And then in the peak of labor shortage, our, uh, overtime hours was about 35 hours per store per week and now it's coming down to 19 hours per store per week mm. so we're kind of seeing the, the the changes here uh but it's it's been tough you know as, as much as i would love our company to be profitable uh, i knew that you know having these so many overtime hours was not sustainable for our company and our employees. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there, there are some things that we've done to make sure that we are, we took this as an opportunity to make sure that we overcome it and come out of it uh, as a stronger brand.
0: Yeah, you talked some about that the cultural aspect of cilantro and things you do. You talked about shutting down a restaurant, doing a team, uh, a, a group activity, and really rallying the troops, so to speak. Tell us a little bit about how you can build this Sort of family-like culture at Chilantro to make sure you're also retaining those employees. Yeah, Um,
1: you know, I love to tell a story about my first employee, uh, Julia. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's when I started the food truck. I needed an employee, and you know, when I was running, you know, when I was at the the food truck kind of parking lot, uh, she she kind of appeared out of nowhere. And I said, "Do you need a job?" She says, "Yes." And we were, uh, you know, having communication through through Google Translator because she didn't know how to speak English. Mm-hmm. Uh, that first employee today, uh, single mom with two kids, uh, you know, now she's a general manager at one of our stores, doing you know over one point five million dollars stores, and she's in charge of that. Uh, and. You know, one of the missions that we have and our company at Cilantro is changing people's lives. When I started the business, I wanted to change the lives of my sister and my mom. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a purpose behind why I wanted to start my business. Uh, and that mission still continues to today where we're here to, to motivate, inspire, and change people's lives. And how satisfying is it to make sure that you know, while we're running this business, we're giving opportunities and changing people's lives where they get to influence uh, their kids and their families' lives. So right. I think that focus behind uh, is really helping us uh, to, to grow as a company, but also grow culturally where people are feeling it instead of just hearing about
0: it. Yeah, that's great. Let's get into supply chain and inflation, which I know there's some overlap between these two issues. Have you seen that? Have you have you had issues with your supply and with costs and all that? Absolutely.
1: It's it's been pretty challenging. Uh, We have master uh, agreement with our supplier, uh, but you know that's only been uh, it's been helpful. I would say, but we've seen, we've been seeing it. There's been change of uh, cups because the cups weren't available for us. Uh, our chicken price doubled, our beef price uh, has gone through the roof. So uh, we had to adjust and, and, and change our prices according to uh, the inflation in order for us to still be sustainable, still able to support our staff members mm-hmm. and make it a profitable company
0: so how can you navigate all of this at this time when it feels like there's so much kind of being thrown at you all at the same time like just take it one day at a time or can you look forward a little bit to try to predict some of this yeah
1: i mean immediate thing that we did in terms of a shortage of labor was we now guarantee 15 dollars an hour for every employees that we have Mm -hmm. so once you're hired uh if you're if with tips included if you're if you didn't meet 15 we'll make up for that so those how, that's how we mitigated some of that those labor shortage issues which are, which is is turned out to be a good uh transition for us because we're now at a place where we feel comfortable with uh, the labor par that we have at our restaurant in terms of uh you know, supplies because, you know, they've been going up. We had to raise our prices twice within a year. Mm. And uh, fortunately we're not, we get some complaints, but fortunately it's not as bad as we thought.
0: Yeah, everybody's raising prices at this point. Nothing you can do about that. And consumers I think will forgive their favorite restaurants for that because you're going to see it everywhere right right right. so i know that you are now expanding into houston and you are going to um, test the ghost kitchen space how are you adapting the cilantro brand moving into the future what is all that going to look like
1: the honest answer is i don't know (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, this is the first time us exploring ghost kitchen uh and for me uh you know as we're building our restaurant spaces in houston uh and because of the construction delays because of the supply delays because of for example we're waiting on a hood uh to, to get here, you know walk-in refrigerator to get to our you know one of our restaurant that's being built mm-hmm. so th- it's creating delays and uh you know i've already invested our, the resources and people to, to run our Houston market. So the Ghost Kitchen is going to provide for us the brand recognition and, and it's going to be a marketing opportunity for us to connect with Houston market mm-hmm. before going into a restaurant. My, my hope is that we do... Uh, you know, about $700,000 from a ghost kitchen where it allows us to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if it goes well, uh, I intend to keep the ghost kitchen model Mm -hmm. and, and then, uh, you know, create more opportunities at a restaurant level where if it's not a success, I will have to figure it out. Then
0: I mean to have a food truck, brick and mortar ghost kitchen feels like you're kind of diversifying the paths that you could take this brand in the future.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, right now. Yeah, I'm 50 I'm 50. <laughs> it's a relatively a small investment mm-hmm. in going into a ghost kitchen. So I'm, I'm hoping that it works out. But if, if it doesn't work out, I think it'll be a great learning oppor- opportunity for me.
0: Well, to everybody listening, because you and I were just talking about this, feels like there's some people who love the ghost kitchens and some people who do not. That's right. So for everybody listening, I'm interested to hear feedback. Uh, You know, email us or something because I'd be interested to hear what everybody is seeing with all of that. Yeah,
1: that's why you're telling me is that some people it works well, some people you know it doesn't work well. So
0: last question, Jay, what's the big picture for this brand? Where do you hope this thing? What do you hope it can become?
1: Yeah, uh, it's, we're kind of in a very exciting time right now. Uh, you know, For the past 12 years, I wanted to make sure that I created a brand where I feel comfortable scaling. Mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that I was personally ready to scale and uh, I wasn't. And I think the COVID really somehow, it was a tough times for everybody. Uh, there was a moment where I thought I was gonna go bankrupt, uh, but it also gave me the confidence Uh, to believe in our brand uh, because of how we did during COVID Mm -hmm. and the people that we have. And I thought that, or I believe that the timing is right for us to expand now. So uh, we have plans to not only grow here in Austin, but Houston and Dallas. And uh, we uh, have signed the lease already in Houston, and we're looking into signing more leases in Houston right now.
0: Awesome. Well, good luck to you. you. Jake Kim of Cilantro. Thanks for taking some time today. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Sam. Always a pleasure.
0: This episode of Takeaway is brought to you in part by California Food Service Instant Rebates. You could save up to $4,000 per unit on high-efficiency commercial food service equipment. In this time of need, the industry is building new restaurants and creating new concepts, and it needs equipment. You'll be able to choose from a variety of qualifying products and get valuable instant rebates as a discount on your invoice. No paperwork, no waiting. Find a participating dealer in qualifying products at caenergywise.com slash instant rebates. That's caenergywise.com forward slash instant dash rebates. Patrick Terry, founder of P. Terry's. Thank you for taking a few minutes here at Coex to chat. Um, Patrick, for those who are not familiar with your brand, just a quick you know, two-minute synopsis of what this brand is all about. Sure.
2: First of all, thanks for having me. Yeah. It's great to be here. So P. Terry's was established in 2005, uh, 16 years ago. We have 23 locations, mostly in central Texas, We around the Austin area. We've creeping into San Antonio with the second location that we just opened a couple of weeks ago. You know, we look at ourselves as a um, high-quality, great-value burger stand. Mm -hmm. Um, We use all-natural beef, uh, hormone-free, antibiotic-free, vegetarian-fed beef. We have our own recipe bun. We serve a veggie burger that we create in our commissary. Um, We serve a chicken burger. It's a ground chicken uh, breast that uh, uh, we also created in our commissary. Um, you know, the truth is, I think what makes us different than most uh, fast food restaurants, uh, not only the quality of our Idaho f- fresh potatoes that we use for French fries, but that our soul is our commissary, our kitchen. We, we produce, uh, like I say, our veggie burger and our, our chicken burger, uh, but we also bake our own cookies and we bake our own banana bread for breakfast. Hmm. Uh, we deliver it daily to the locations. Um, I think that's really the great uh, difference between us and so many other restaurants.
0: And you're still, you still have a low price point. How do you pull that off that yeah. you do everything house-made and you well, still keep it low? we
2: to the street, and <laughs> we've been very fortunate uh-huh. that Austin, Central Texas have, have provided that. You know, it, it was always, the idea was always very simple for us. You know, um, it's easy to serve um, a, a hamburger that is not of great quality for uh, an inexpensive price, and it's easy to serve uh, a very expensive burger that's made with high quality. We took the challenge on that we were going to try and serve that very high quality burger at a price that everyone can afford, and you know we do that by watching our costs and fortunately selling a lot of burgers
0: yeah and has that, it been hard with all of the supply chain stuff that's going on today how are you navigating all of that yeah the
2: supply chain is an issue there's no question about it where we've been fortunate is that the supply chain there have been no disruptions in the beef the chicken mm-hmm. the buns and the fries mm-hmm. so um you know we may have uh, an issue with the straw that we're going to get and and god knows every day you know the the uh container that we got yesterday is different than we got today yeah and the paper that we got or the napkin that we got absolutely it's a crapshoot there's Mm -hmm. no doubt about it the good news is though what really counts the the food that's coming through uh has not been disrupted
0: do you think customers care about some of those other things i mean with the packaging i've heard other restaurants talk about that and it's like I hope you are not getting complaints from customers. It seems like everyone understands that there's issues going you know, on. No, I think
2: that's true. I, I I don't know of really any complaints. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the uh, I think everyone is aware uh, that's that that's gone to Home Depot or tried to order a, you know, a, a bath towel that they're gonna they're gonna have to wait. It's gonna, it's a different world right now. Yeah. So I think they I really do think they they accept it, and and I I don't think it's been an issue.
0: And it's probably true of menu prices too we see a lot of restaurants are raising their prices yeah. because of inflation and I'm, I'm sure this is affecting your business as well what is what's the inflation pressures on P. Terry's right now and how are you sorting through those
2: yeah they're they're significant uh you know uh, the price of uh chicken has doubled in the last uh, 12 months um, and the price of beef has gone up um, and so we felt it very we've we felt it like everyone else we um you know for us to go up on our prices is really uh like pulling teeth mm-hmm. we don't like doing it you know we it, it's a slippery slope you you can get very lazy uh by solving your problem by by raising your prices and mm-hmm. and i think a lot of restaurants uh, make that mistake i think you have to be i mean you got to look at this thing as like the last resort um, but we did have to have a price increase a few months ago uh, just to try and cover the cost of it. And that was really all we were trying to do is just cover, um, what our prices, uh, or how our prices have gone up and just, and just cover the, try and hedge that bet.
0: Sure. So you and I just got done with a panel talking about labor and hiring and retention. Um, clearly the number one thing I think most restaurateurs are concerned about right now is finding those great employees, keeping them there, but then also investing in the employees you do have. I know you have a lot going on at P. Terry's where you have invested in this culture, you've invested in your people. I mean, you guys, I've compared you to uh, a burger version of Chick-fil-A for I feel like the culture that you're developing at P. Terry's. Um, Tell us about that. How did this get off the ground? Why was this such a big piece to what you and your wife are doing in the early days and and what are some of the ways it comes to fruition? Sure.
2: Well, thanks for asking the question because the truth is the one thing that I do, uh, I am comfortable talking about more than anything is culture. Uh, I think it, it becomes the brand. I think it's more important than anything. And, and I think if you uh, aren't sincere in what you're trying to achieve with your people, then uh, you get picked apart pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so you have to come at it from uh, a, real pl- a real place. And when Kathy and I opened up the first restaurant, we had about 20 employees and we really looked at it as an opportunity to take 20 people, have them come in um, to work at P. Terry's and we would immediately establish this two-way relationship where you're gonna take care of us and we're gonna take care of you. And I'm gonna prove it every day that that I'm gonna hold up my end of the bargain. And as long as you hold up yours, we have a relationship. And so it was really that simple. Uh, from there, you know, we talked about um, the fact that when somebody has an issue financially, we offer an interest-free loan. When it's their birthday, we celebrate it with a birthday cake. When it's the end of the year, they get a Christmas bonus. Um, and, and through the, those months uh, where those things may not be happening, then you know we're guaranteeing them a minimum wage of 15 an hour, and you know you you can talk. You have to be able to really um, walk, walk, walk. Yep. And and man, if you're not there every day doing it and showing uh, how appreciative you are of what they're doing, uh, it's not real. Right.
0: Going forward, as you navigate one challenge after another, I mean. It seems like from the panel we just were um, talking, it feels like it seems like you're optimistic things are getting better, at least as far as the pandemic restrictions and people coming back into the restaurants. But how how are you staying on top of this? How are you looking into the future and staying on top of all the curveballs that come your way?
2: Well, I think you have to look at it on a day to day basis. Uh, I mean, it, it really is. Uh, it really is like that. And so far, you know, every day has gotten a little bit better uh, in the last few months. Uh, I think I think COVID is you know, unless something flares up with something new, I think COVID will slowly be taken out of the equation. And I think that solves so many problems. Um, you know, I think there's still been a lot, there are still a lot of people who have been left out of the workforce because they're staying home because they're not sure if their kids are going to school tomorrow or, or what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think they're going to come back into the workforce. I think people are dying to get out. I think people are looking for the world that, that uh, they left behind two years ago. And so, you know, I I see a lot of sunshine out mm-hmm. there. I, I really think that that every day becomes more normal. And, you know, God willing, the next couple of months, we'll be back to where we were. And by the way, you know, for us, that was a good place before COVID. Yeah. So if we can just land where we were before all of this started, you know, we'll be just fine.
0: Yeah. Well, one thing I wanted to make sure we touch on is digital um, technology and the innovations that have happened there, because obviously the last two years have been the acceleration of digital adoption has been right. incredible but you know for a, a brand like p terry's which for those who haven't been to a p terry's i mean it feels like you're walking into something from the 1950s right. i mean you've created that very um mo- n- not a modern uh, burger stand experience very um uh traditional burger stand experience right. i guess from the 50s and so does technology do these high, you know, flashy tools? Do that, does that feel out of place? Can you look at some of those things to help you with like automation and stuff like that? Yeah, that's
2: a great question. I, I don't think we can lose our soul, which which is that look. You know, we are we, we are very proud of the architecture of our restaurants. We, we it's a, a goofy style architecture, kind of a mid century modern, um, and you know, it, it it's a very inviting, welcoming, warm place. you, Frankly, whether you're staying in your car or not, you know, we, we go to great lengths for the drive-through to be as comfortable as we can with, you know, the, the signage that we use and the plants that we plant and the architecture that they see as they're driving through, you know, the restaurant drive-through. So that's that's tantamount to everything that we stand for. And, and so, you know, you're not going to see a digital display uh, menu. You're going to see, you know, the, what we've recreated as a hand-painted venue, mm-hmm. um, and the colors that we use, and uh, the feel that we have. That can't go away. That's just who we are. We're, you know, I, I don't see us ever using um, an automated board to make a, to place an order in the in the restaurant. That said, there's no question that you know we have a we have an ordering online through our web. Are through our through our uh, website. We mm-hmm. have apps that are out there. We have a you know our own app on the phone that is easily you, you can easily use to either have someone deliver the food to you or for you to have it picked up uh, and ready for you when you show up. No question, you can't ignore the technology of today and the convenience of today. Yeah, and so we balance that.
0: And if that's, that's the that, expectation that, of the customer, and you have to be able to follow no that.
2: There's no question about
0: it. We're, I imagine you're not going to look into something like a, a virtual kitchen, ghost kitchen kind of setup for. No,
2: you know, I'm not right now. I I think the uh, you know burgers and fries, you know, they travel differently than pizza. Yeah. And, and so you know, we have to be cognizant of really the product that we're serving, um, and so you know, I think our customer understands that when they when they're they're placing an order, uh, whether it's delivered or not. But yeah, right now, I don't think a ghost kitchen is in our future.
0: Yeah. Patrick Terry of P. Terrys, appreciate your time today. Thanks Same so much for joining me.
2: Yeah. Thanks, Val. Enjoyed it.
0: Those were my interviews with Jay Kim and Patrick Terry of Chalantro Barbecue and P. Terry's Burger Stand, respectively. So what should you learn from these interviews? Here are my five takeaways. My first takeaway is that if you invest in your people, they will invest in your brand. This was true of both Chilantro and P. Terry's. Both Jay and Patrick have put a lot of time and attention into the culture of their teams and their companies. Let's start with Jay. He talked about how his very first hire in the food truck he launched in Austin 12 years ago is still with the company. She is now a general manager of one of his restaurants because he put that time into what he called called changing her life he wanted to change people's lives and that meant $15 minimum wage that meant investing deeply into her and the other employees that he brought on to his company and now it pays dividends that he can develop the future leaders of the company and then look at p terry's you know patrick said culture it must be sincere you must show your appreciation to your team in order for it to be real and it's incredible the ways in which that manifests itself at P. Terry's. You know, Patrick talked about how they, they deliver birthday cakes to all of their employees on their birthday, which is incredible because they have hundreds of employees by this time. And they have one person at their company who is a full-time cake baker. This is just an incredible thing. I've never heard that at any other restaurant company. Uh, they provide interest-free loans to team members and they give Christmas bonuses. All of these things add up to the P. Terry's culture that they're building there. And it all comes back in spades to the company as they have this great culture and great team that they can rely upon. My second takeaway is that if your growth is stalled because of supply chain or inflation, you should take a look at Ghost Kitchens. This is specifically talking about something that Jay mentioned. He, he wants to grow into Houston. He has signed a lease in Houston and is you know developing a store there. But because of supply chain issues, they're having problems getting that store open. So as a result, he's looking to Ghost Kitchens. He's doing his first Ghost Kitchen partnership, and he thinks this is going to be a great way to build brand recognition and to start the marketing before the restaurant has opened. You know, this is something I know a lot of folks have looked at, but what we should emphasize here is this is a solution even for emerging brands, not just the bigger chains that can scale all over the country, country through emerging chains. Jay is just looking to go from Austin to Houston, but still sees that ghost kitchens can be a solution to do that. My third takeaway though is kind of a counter to that point and that's to look at P Terry's and to say remember that the digital revolution is not for every restaurant. So P Terry's does have online ordering, it has pursued those various ways in which consumers want to interact with a brand digitally. But Patrick emphasized that, you know, they're not going to go to digital menu boards, they're not going to look to ghost kitchens. That digital revolution that's ongoing and that is open lots of doors for restaurants today's. Today it, it doesn't have to be for every What Patrick is building at P. Terry's is all about nostalgia and it's all about the physical experience. And that is okay for other restaurant companies. You don't have to feel left behind by the digital revolution. You can just pursue those elements of digital innovation that make sense for your brand. My fourth takeaway is that price increases should be a last resort, but one that you probably will have to turn to anyway. Uh, Jay was very straightforward about the increases they had to make at the Chilan- on the cilantro menu as he talked about how much chicken and beef have just soared in cost. But even with P. Terry's, this brand that's so committed to value, Patrick talked about how he, he, he hated this. He, he wanted this to be the last resort, but the, the truth of the matter is today that you just have to do it. Inflation is such that cost increases, menu price increases are just a reality of the restaurant industry today. So give yourself permission to do that if you need to. But remember, they they should be a last resort. And that's a good segue into my fifth and final takeaway, which is that you can carefully control your costs in order to keep prices low. This is something that uh, P. Terry's very much does. It's something that really surprises me about P. Terry's. I, I've eaten there a few times now. And this is these are incredible burgers and fries. At a value price. And we talked about that. Uh, Patrick and I in our conversation talked about how he pulls that off. And he says it's all about carefully controlling those costs so that those prices can remain low. Of course, today as prices shoot up and there's nothing he can do about that, that does have to change. But by and large, you can look at other ways across your business to save and you can pass that along to the customer by keeping prices low. Those are all my takeaways for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to subscribe to Takeaway wherever you listen to podcasts and leave your feedback. You can also email me at sam.ocus at Thanks again and talk to you next week.